Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Lord, you're worthy of the highest praise. Lord, you're worthy forever and always. Your goodness and your mercy causes me to say, Lord, you're worthy of the highest praise Lord you're worthy of the highest praise Lord you're worthy forever and always your goodness Causes me to say, Lord, you're worthy of the highest praise. Only if you think that today, only if you believe that, and you know the words to this song, why don't you just sing this chorus with me? Lord, you're worthy of the highest of the highest praise. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy forever, forever and always. Your goodness, your goodness and your mercy causes, causes me to say, Lord, you're worthy of the highest your goodness and your mercy causes me to say, Lord, you're worthy of the highest praise. Apprehended by God's grace, called red-handed by the blood, 
my rap sheet it was suspect my name was no good I was guilty and I knew it but I ran from God's love but the long arms of Jesus reached to me from above I was arrested by mercy when I was fleeing the scene I was in a great big hurry I had done many wrong God sent an angel with only me on his mind. I was arrested by mercy and that just in time. Are you hiding from the Savior so afraid to be found? As the sins of your old lifestyle got your world upside down. What you should do is surrender. Come out with your hands up and let mercy arrest you, wrapping you in. God's love I was arrested by mercy when I was fleeing the sin I was in a great big hurry I had done many wrong things God sent an angel with only me on his mind. I was arrested by mercy and that just in time. God sent an angel with only me on his mind. I was arrested by mercy and that just in time. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I feel at home this morning. We have heard the word of the Lord, so I don't even have to preach. But I'm going to, the Lord willing. It's good to be back in Hatch Bend. Hatch Bend. I, I preached here in 1994. Brought my mom and dad with me that trip. I preached here. My father and mother loved this place. They loved you. Many of you... Uh, remember J. Frank, Brother J. Frank and Sister Wilson, and they loved this place. We took them to Eagle Lake, 
and the last time my father preached, he preached at Eagle Lake in December 1994. We took them home. He had a heart attack February the 1st, died February the 27th. A man of God, a servant of the Lord, who taught his family well. Somebody asked me this morning if I would sing this song. I don't know how much time I've got today, but somebody asked for this song. If I could remember the words, oh, soldiers never die. They just fight on. They just fight on. Medals of honor weighed on high. So they just fight on. They just fight on. Though they've been battered and been scarred, Though they have wounded hands and hearts, they'll never cease their fight for truth. To them a sacrifice is nothing new. Oh, soldiers never die. They just fight on, they just fight on. Medals of honor wait on high, so they just fight on, they just fight on. They'll never lay their armor down. Even when we lay them in the ground. Their soldier spirits will live on. Telling us all we must be strong. Oh, soldiers never die. They just fight on, they just fight on. Medals of honor weighed on high, so they just fight on, they just fight on. When the battle's over, they will wear a crown. They will wear a crown, yes, they will wear a crown. When the battle's over, they will wear a crown in that new Jerusalem. Oh, soldiers just fight, oh. Hallelujah. Well, I'm so glad God is on my side.
Are you happy he's on your side? I played a lot of softball when I was a young man. Played in tournaments almost every weekend in the middle of the summer. We'd call them church tournaments. Supposed to be church tournaments, and we'd get to those church tournaments, and some of those church teams had gone to the local university or junior college, found them some players, and they'd bring those guys out there and just beat all of us like a bass drum. And we'd, we'd say, we know why. Because y'all stacked your team. They don't do that in Florida. Well, we know that they stacked their team. But I want to tell you something. We as a child of God, we've got our team stacked too. Because God's on our side. Yes, sir. Moses stood at the Red Sea. God's children close behind. Pharaoh's men pursuing. The people began to cry. Moses said, fear not now. Stand still in faith abide. We'll soon be crossing over. God is on our side. There's nothing, nothing like having God on your side. When your faith is shaken, He's there whatever you need. He will never let you Fight on your storm, he'll ride. And something like heaven, God will decide. When you're standing at the crossing, not sure which road to take. If everything you've done in life Seems to be one Cast your cares on Jesus And in his love reside He'll take all your burdens off God is on your side God on your side When your faith is shaken, He's there whatever you find. He'll never, never leave you. But on your soul, you ride. There's nothing, nothing like that. God on your side. He will never, never, never leave you. Right on your stone, you are. There's nothing like Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Anybody in here ready to make an address change? Huh? 
It's time to get out of this old world. Come on. If you're, if you're too attached here, you might need to talk to Jesus today. Here's an old song written in 1984. It's fixing, well, it's going to have a birthday this year. Yeah, how many years will that be? 40 years? 40 years ago, I wrote this song. I really, I really dictated it to my wife, and she wrote it. So I'm glad she did because that group out of Florida over in Orlando called Southbound, a trio of guys. I recorded this a couple of years ago, and it was the number, it went to number three last year in Southern Gospel Music. So uh, I'm glad it's still being sung all around the world, actually. Uh, missionaries have recorded it and didn't even tell me until after the fact. But that's all right, too. God's got it. He's helping people. Uh, be blessed by this song, Address Change Notification. Let me sing a little bit of it. If you know the chorus, sing along with me when we get there. I've been living in this world for quite a long time Always looking for a place To call my home I've never, never been satisfied With what I've seen down here So I'm soon moving To my brand new home Oh, sing with me this is an address change notification for a movie to a much better place where there'll be no tears, no dying, there'll be no more pain. This is to tell you. Of my address change Oh, the place where I'm moving Is lovely and new There's a river that flows like crystal And a wall of jasper And the street in front of my house Will be made of purest gold. It's a place where we'll never, never grow. This is an address for a moving to a much better place. Well, there'll be no tears, no dying, there'll be no more pain. This is to tell you of my address. Place. 
Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I'm glad God has given second chances when we did not deserve them. Aren't you thankful for a God who gives second chances? Let me sing this song. deny the Lord outside the judgment hall felt so God forsaken felt there was no hope at all Christ the Lord remembered him restored his faith again God is a God of a second God is a God of a second chance. God is a God of sweet labor. Though you may have failed him, he knows. Where you can God is a God of second chance. Do you feel defeated by wrongful consequence? Have you been overtaken by sinful circumstance? You can be forgiven to say your understanding. God is a God of a second chance. Satan come a-knocking, tempting you to fall. Is he always pushing? Got your back up to me. You don't have to give way. Stand up and try again. God is a God of a second chance. God is a God. God is a God of sweet deliverance. Oh, you may have failed, you know where you've been. God is a God of a second chance. Though you may have failed, you know you've God is a God of a second chance. My God is a God of a second chance. 
God bless all of you for being here today. I appreciate the word of the Lord. I've already heard. I've always known that Pastor Boyd was a great preacher. Even in his youth, he was a great preacher. Uh, younger days, quite an evangelist. Unforgettable messages. You have a whole treasure trove of those around here, I'm sure. And Sister Boyd, Brother Justin, and his sweet wife, and all of you saints of God here at Hatch Bend, and we are honored to get to be here. Thankful for the opportunity. Thank, thankful for you allowing Sister Wilson and I to, to come uh, park here for a few days uh, I, I don't know if I'm a snowbird or not but I know one thing I'm glad I ain't up yonder <laughs> I ran south as soon as I could if I hadn't had if I hadn't had to have Christmas with my kids would have probably got here earlier <laughs> wow wow and Tommy Hughes, what a joy it is to see you, my man. Just, he was our neighbor. Lived right down the road from us about two miles, three miles. Went to church there in Potts Camp or Bethlehem uh, with us. Then he'd run off and come on back down uh, south here. I don't blame him. It's a little bit warmer down here. His sons graduated in the Christian school there in Bethlehem. One of his boys graduated with our son. And uh, now our son's fixing to be a grandpa in April. Hallelujah. You know what that makes me? Happy. Oh, going to get us a great granddaughter, praise the Lord. I knew grandchildren were great. I think great-grands, somebody told me that great-grands are better than the grands. Uh, we won't start an argument to hear this morning. We drove all day Wednesday, driving that motor home, pulling that little white car. And uh, you can't go 75, 80 miles an hour in that motor home. You just can't do it. And uh, I average about 55 miles to that per hour, if that. So it was a long trip, very long trip. Two-thirds of it, at least, was in rain. And uh, when I got here Wednesday night, I didn't know if I'd ever wake up on Thursday morning. I was so weary. But very early on Thursday morning, before the sun ever rose, I woke up with some verses of scripture on my mind and on my heart. And after what I've heard today, uh, feeling what I've felt today, I know the Lord has got his hand in this service. 
passages of scripture I'd like to read in the book of Psalms chapter 84. Psalms chapter 84, verse number 1. Psalms chapter 84, verse number 1. The psalmist said, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even faint, fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca, Make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Now in Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 29, Scripture says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Could I preach a message today with this title? A place for sparrows. A place Four sparrows. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Sparrows are mentioned among the offerings that were made by the very poor in the temple. If you could not afford a lamb, then God made a way for your pay scale, if you will. If you were very poor, you could go into the marketplace outside of the temple and there would be those who would be selling animals to be used in sacrifices. And we understand, don't we, that Jesus drove those folks from the temple 
crying, it's going to be a house of prayer. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. But in that marketplace, if you were very poor, you could, you could go by and there would be a guy there selling sparrows. He would sell sparrows. Two sparrows were sold for a farthing. Was was a very, very insignificant amount of money. Very, very small amount. Two sparrows sold for a farthing. And according to Luke 12 and 6, you could get five sparrows for two farthings. So you could get two for one farthing or you could get five for two. So in other words, instead of buy one, get one, you could buy four and get one. Right? The Hebrew word for sparrow signifies and includes the whole family of small birds which feed on grain. Now in comparison to the mighty eagle, the sparrows would have been looked upon with pity perhaps, and disdain, perhaps, small, defenseless, weak, easy prey because of their frailty. Alongside the eagle, that mighty bird of prey, the sparrow weighs in at 1.25 ounces. It's a little bit more than a quarter stick of butter. A sparrow looks to be six to seven inches long compared to the eagle, which the bald eagle weighs anywhere from 6.5 to 14 pounds, and the bald eagle is by no means the largest one. But we're talking pounds compared to inches or, or ounces. And the eagle has a wingspan of up to 8.5 feet compared to six or seven inches. When the great storms come, the eagle can lift his powerful wings and with one flap of his wings, he can soar one quarter of a mile. When the great storms come, that eagle can flap his wings and climb above the heavy rains, the stormy wind currents. He can soar to the top of the mountain and rest safely in his lofty perch above the storm. But the sparrow, can quickly become a homeless, frightened, lost little bird, unable to find safety from the storm because of its 
lightness and weight, its frailty and size. This morning I did not come to preach to eagles. If your prayer life is up and over beyond anything anybody else in the house is doing, I'm not here to preach to you. I mean, if you can fast 40 days without a hiccup, I'm probably not here to preach to you. But I've come this morning with a burden on my mind and heart for all of those those of us who are prone to weakness, those of us who struggle from day to day, maybe even hour to hour, we fight discouragement. We fight heartache. We fight disappointment. We fight humiliation. The sparrow can easily be humiliated by the eagles. There's no comparison between the two of them. Size, strength, beauty, majestic appearance. He overshadows the sparrow. But if you feel like one of those defenseless, weakened, frail little sparrows, perhaps Wounded by words, wounded by someone's actions against you. Maybe you're uncertain about your future. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what next week holds for you. You don't know how you're going to get through. I believe the word of God has brought a word. I said the word of God has brought a word for someone here today. David said in this psalm for a man named Korah, he lets us know how he feels about the house of God when he says how amiable. That word literally means how pleasant and how agreeable are thy tabernacles, O Lord. The church is an agreeable place. The church is supposed to be a pleasant place. All of the places that you dwell, that you choose to dwell in, God, those are pleasant places for me. They are agreeable for me, Lord. That's an important question you need to ask yourself. That question is this, does the church agree with me? You know, you eat the wrong thing. It may taste good for a little bit. But after a little while, it starts disagreeing. It starts disagreeing with us. Does the church agree with you? Does it feel good to you? Are you comfortable sitting amongst brethren? Are you comfortable sitting amongst your sisters? Are you comfortable being able to raise your hands amongst your friends and relatives and giving glory to the same God together? Your tabernacles, God, your sanctuaries are so pleasant that even the tiniest 
of sparrows and swallows have found in them a place to dwell. Now, David's tabernacle was different than Solomon's temple. David's tabernacle was just that. After the Philistines had stolen the ark of God and David went 90 days without having it, he got so hungry for the presence of God, he said, we've got to get this thing right. We've got to do it the right way. We've got to bring the ark of God back home. And when they got it home, David said, I don't want to put it. I don't want to put it behind all those heavy walls. I want to put it in something where everybody can get to experience. I'd like for everybody to get, it, get to experience the glory of God. So David set up a tent, didn't he? He set up a tent and made the presence of God available to the people. The only problem was being an open air structure as it was, the little birds, the little sparrows, the little swallows, all of those little grain eating birds, tiny, insignificant birds, they could find their way inside of this open air tent. And David said, the sparrows, even the sparrows have found an house. And then he shows us where their house was. It wasn't in the back row, wasn't in the back corner. The Bible says that they found their house at the altar. They literally built their nest in and around and underneath the altar in that tabernacle. Why? Because in the tabernacle, they found safety. Safety from the storms of life. Safety from the things that would try to destroy them. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that with the exploits that David had experienced in his life. I'm sure there were days and times when David must have felt like an eagle. Oh, imagine, imagine that teenage boy with that sling and that stone. One stone dropping a nine foot nine giant. Oh yeah, I'm somebody. Look at me. He didn't even have a sword. All he had was a slingshot. He had to borrow Goliath's sword to take Goliath's head off. Imagine a teenage boy today. Our 15-year-old grandson shot his first deer the other day. He had never been hunting in his life, never shot a deer in his life, never shot at a deer in his life. A friend of his said, come out to the farm. We'll do a little target practice. They put a deer rifle with a scope in his hands put a target 100 yards down the way, said, see if you can hit that anywhere close on that target. Pow, 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 three times. And they went and got the target and looked at it and a quarter inch from the center of the target. Boy said, I think you're ready. 
the next morning before daybreak, they got, got to the deer stand, sitting in the deer stand right before they left. Here come a little, here come a little two-pointer. Liam didn't wait. He didn't wait for them to say, you need, you need to wait on a bigger one. He just saw something with horns. He drew down on him. One shot. Dropped him. Killed him. I know that boy of mine, as humble as he is, that grandson of mine, I know he thinks he's something underneath that quiet demeanor that he got. David must have thought an awful, awful lot of himself after he dropped Goliath with a rock. With a rock. He had his mighty eagle days. I said he had those days when he felt like he was somebody. And so do we. I said, and so do we. We have a great prayer meeting. We have a great Sunday night service. We experience a mighty victory in our own lives and our own spirits. And we get up out of the altar and we think, boy, I got this now. I got this. I can serve God now. I can make it through Wednesday now. I can make it until Wednesday now. I can do this until Monday night comes. I said until Monday night comes, one day in the factory, one day on the job with ungodly people. And that we find ourselves laying down on Monday night not thinking so highly of ourselves as we did Sunday night when we got up out of the altar. David had his days when he felt like somebody. He felt like he was strong, unslayable, untouchable. Those glory days when men were flocking to him from everywhere. Men who were discontent, in debt, in trouble with the law. They were coming to him from everywhere. He was at the top of his game militarily. But then there were also those days when he felt like that defenseless little sparrow have no protection, no hiding places. Imagine his humiliation. Imagine his hurt when the Amalekites came. When the Amalekites came to Ziglag and burned the town down, took the wives, took the children, Off they went with not only David's family, but all of his men's families too. Oh, he's not flying so high now. There's no eagle in his voice now. He's not proud now. He gets so down. He gets so down and discouraged that the Bible said his men spoke of stoning him. And he had to encourage himself in the Lord. What about when King Saul haunted him like he was a partridge in the mountains seeking for his life? But David found the same thing that the sparrows found. He finds an altar. I said, he finds an altar. 
pastor mentioned it this morning, the most important time of the service may not be when the singers are singing, musicians are playing, may not even be when the word is being preached, but the most important time of the services when you and I decide what we're going to do with the word that we have just heard preached when we decide what we're going to do with the presence of God that we've felt in our lives. Am I going to go to an altar? Am I going to find an altar? Not just any altar. It's not just any altar. This is not the altar called Ed that we're going to. Go find that in Scripture. It's not just the altar, Ed. It's not just one of the altars that was erected to one of the false gods that backsliding Israel had built. No, sir, David said, the sparrow hath found a house at thine altar, O Lord. Be careful what you bow down before. Be careful which altar you fall down in front of, my God. The altar is a place for protection from the world. You know it's true, don't you? When we stop praying, the world comes slipping in to our lives. The things of this world slip in. The mannerisms of this world slip in. The attitudes of this world slip in. The cares of this world slip in to our lives if and when we get away from the altar. God's positioning system, GPS, God's positioning system always starts at the altar. Judgment begins at the house of God. The altar is a place for protection from the world. It's hard for the devil to get you when you're on your knees in an altar. Oh, could I help get you, help you today? Could I help you understand that the altar is so important? The altar is not only a place of protection, it is a place of redemption from our sinfulness. I said it is a place of redemption from our sinfulness. You find God at the altar because it is at the altar that we have to give something first. We give something first and then we find what we need. The altar is where we leave our sacrifices of praise and worship to God. The writer of Hebrews says we have an altar. We have an altar. It was either 1970 or 71. I was in Bible college in Tupelo, Mississippi. Brother Alan Oggs, who pastored in Gainesville many years ago, he came through Tupelo and he preached a chapel service in his own inimitable way. He preached a message titled, We Have an Altar for Such a Time 
as this. When he finished, I don't even know how many students was in that school, but every one of us was on our face before God, praying, crying, weeping. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an altar. We have an altar even if we don't have an answer. We have an altar even if we don't have an answer. We have an altar even when we feel like we don't have a prayer. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there in a, in a situation, in a, in a problem, in a thing going on in your life and you're scratching your head, you're wringing your hands what am I going to do? I don't know where the answer is. I can't find anything to help me take, take care of this situation. I don't know what I'm going to do. We find our way to an altar because that's where the sparrows, that's where the sparrows go. The eagles fly to the top of the mountain and get over it. We need to get to an altar and get below it. We have an altar even when we don't have an explanation for all of our whys. Every day of the week ends in why. Many times we find ourselves Ending each day, not just in a why, but in a why. The little sparrow knew where home was. God's GPS system. He knew where home was. My home is at the altar. My home is at... I, they recognized the altar for what it was. Home. Too many, too many have forgotten. I think too many have forgotten what the altar's for. Too many have forgotten where home is. You started your walk with God in an altar. It might have been in your pickup truck. It might have been at the prayer log in North Mississippi. It might have been in the porch swing. It might have been in the bathroom, locked in the, locked in the bathroom of your house praying. Come on now. Your journey began at the altar. You found your place at the altar. The little sparrow found a house. He found a proper and good dwelling place at the altar in the house of God. Lot, Lot pitched his tent in the wrong direction. pitched that tent toward Sodom. 
Don't pitch your tent toward iniquity. Toward abomination. Toward rebellion. Pitch your tent at the altar. At the altar. Could I end this message today but just saying to all of us, little sparrow, there's a place of safety. There's a place of forgiveness. There's a place of cleansing and redemption that awaits you in this house of God at the altar of God. Would you stand please? <clears throat> so so if the eagles in your life the eagles that you are acquainted with if they're soaring in their loftiness right now if they're soaring in the heights of spiritual strength right now, if they are soaring above every storm of life, it may seem, if that's what they are doing, then let them do what they do because that's not your place. You and I are sparrows. We recognize our need. We recognize our need for God and our place is at the house of God. Our place is at the altar of God where God's spirit moves and dwells. Our place is at the altar where God's Spirit heals and God's Spirit cleanses. God's Spirit washes our sins away. Our place is at the altar where every provision is met. Lest we should forget today, not one of you falls to the ground without your heavenly Father. Now, I, I find it interesting that the Bible didn't say, lest your heavenly Father sees you, right? It just says simply, not one of you falls to the ground without your heavenly Father. In other words, He comes down. He comes down to our level. 
when we can't get up to his. He sees us falling. He falls with us so that underneath him or underneath us, underneath us are his everlasting arms. I challenge us today. I challenge us today on this first Sunday of 2024. Start this year out right. Start it out right. Find you a place like the sparrows. Find you a place in the altar. Thank God for a place for sparrows. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the altar for you. He's waiting. I said he's waiting at the altar today. I would ask right now if there would be one, two, ten, twenty, or a whole congregation of people that would be willing to step out of your seat, saved and unsaved, whomever you are, this is a brand new Sunday of a brand new year. Would you find your way into an altar and begin to talk to God and say, God, I recognize I realize, I realize my weakness. I realize my failures. I realize my frailty. I want to start my year at the altar, seeking after you. Oh, only in you am I safe and secure. Only you I can find peace. There's a place for sparrows here today. I said there's a This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.